You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. This week on the show, we have John Bennett. He's the author of Leisure Town, a collection of poetry. He's also my old neighbor from when I lived in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. We discuss Leonard Cohen novels, Booze is Bad, Dive Bars Are Good, CPAPs and Sex, San Francisco, Independent Radio, Drugs in the Tenderloin, and so much more. Hi, I'm John Bennett, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have John Bennett. He's the author of Leisure Town. It's a collection of poetry that came out this year. John, how are you? Hey, Tony. I'm okay. I'm kind of tired, actually. Wait, what what makes you tired? Do you have insomnia? I've had insomnia. I had insomnia really bad this last week to the point that I felt like I was losing my mind because I could I, I like could not get to sleep until six in the morning. Yeah. And and it's just there's just a part of me where you know it gets really bad where you can't read. And then that's where I want that's where I want to lose my mind because it's just like if I can't read, then then what do I do? So I got on Canopy, that library app. Uh. That's the one where you get the free videos. For, mm. You get like nine videos a month. And I found an old Sophia Loren and Marcello Mastriani movie. And I watched that and it like gave me such delight. And then I finally fell asleep. So at six in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It I, was rough. I do that. I like my eyesight's not that good. So I used to be able to read for a long time before sleep. And now my eyes get tired before my brain gets tired. And then I'm like, oh God. And so I, I end up doing a lot of crossword puzzles, hoping. But anyhow, you know, but, that's but crossword movie. puzzles keep your brain engaged with trying to fix something, whereas reading can be more of a passive, right? Yeah. Well, they say you shouldn't watch. I guess if you're going to watch TV, then a black and white movie is healthier. Yeah. They say blue light keeps you awake. But it's right. that's a feature of that. Movie Fight Club, isn't it? That right. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. Is he has insomnia, but he doesn't yeah. have insomnia. He's got a split personality. Yeah, and he says something like, um, "People with the state of insomnia is like uh, being being half alive, something like that, half dead, half alive. You're you're awake, but you're not conscious, or something like that." But that that description. Anyhow, it's got it's gotten much better over the years. Um, but uh, now I'm wondering. I well, I, it's probably also sleep apnea at this point. You have sleep apnea. You yeah, I, I do. Snuggle. I have a C. I say I have a CPAP. You have a CPAP. I never got the CPAP, dude. You got to get up. it, man, because sleep apnea is bad. I mean, sleep apnea really messes with your brain. I know. It why did you get it? Why, John? Why aren't you taking care of yourself? Why aren't you getting <laughs> a CPAP? There's this there's this line of fatness. It's like no sleep apnea. You cross the line of fatness, sleep apnea. And I'm like, if I can just lose another pound and a half, I'm going to be on the other side of that line. I'm not going to have to put the snorkel on my face. I'm not going to have to turn on the buzzing air pump. <laughs> Do you actually, you have it. But yeah. do you use it every night? Every night. Well, yeah, yeah. Like so. even like even when I'm dating, you know, um, I bring it to the other lady's house when I sleep over. That is how open I am about it. I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm and, and then I, you know, mine's a gas motor one where you got to pull the crank like yes. a lot. You know, it's a two stroke. It's a, two stroke. <laughs> it's a diesel. <laughs> yes, it's a diesel. And, but the, my question is, do you do you do you use it during the love act? Because the visual, <laughs> the visual of the snorkel and the tube, it's actually, it's actually like kind of Japanese, kind of like, you know, half yeah. machine, half man. But your blood is full is fully oxygenated, so you well, perform yeah. so well. Man, let me yeah. tell you, I know it's odd, <laughs> but you've got to try it with the. 
anyhow, so, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, I have found <laughs> that some women cannot come to completion unless it's on. <laughs> yeah, that's, that should be on the actual machine. <laughs> you know what? A great TV ad. The CPAP is one of the stupidest things because it's and they they've done no what do you call it? They've done no like new new research on how to like fix the problem. It's just like let's just give you a machine, and whoever owns CPAP is like sitting there paying off everyone else to not work on any other device. So let's just make you look dorky as hell, and yeah, wear a snorkel. So you're a nose. They have a nose, a mouth, and a nose mouth. I think. So I just use the nose. Okay, so it's yeah. a cannula. That's that little hose thing, the little two little prongs there in your nose, or is it a full cup? No, no, it's it's. Um, I'm so glad we're talking about this. So it's 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 like two uh, full like kind of things that go in your nose, and then yeah. you just yeah, and you just breathe through that. That's called a cannula, I believe. Yeah, and that's 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 not that invasive, really. No, but the problem is, I use this huge butt plug that I just. <laughs> Okay. I, no, have I don't to, know. I have to be, I have to have something that's hurting me even more. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, that kind of triggered me. I yeah. I, the CPAP or the, the butt plug? No, I'm okay with the CPAP. Okay. The butt. No. Okay. So we'll, we're, we'll move on from there because I, yeah. Um, so I have, I wake up 27 times an hour and. Um, Dude, but seriously, get it taken care of because it's not, it's just. It's really bad. And don't wait. You know, we're good. I'm losing weight right now, actually. I lost in the past six weeks. I've lost. Um, I just sent it to a friend of mine. I'm trying to do the math. I think it was 11 pounds. Hey, congratulations. Zoom high five. Zoom high five. Yeah. No, I'm. it's just like there's just a point in your life where you're going, you know what? The scale can't go up anymore. It has to go down. That's just like it. It's over. Well, for me, it's alcohol. When right, drinking... And that's the thing. I got I got off. So I got off for the most part. And then once in a while, I'll be like, all right. And then I'll be like, that was really stupid. And then it's just another month of zero. And I'm just the 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 alcohol I've for me is I just realized was just like, you know what? It is not worth it. It's not worth the bad sleep. It's not worth the hangover. I want to wake up kind of early and work on my book. You know, I want to wake up kind of early and like do stuff. I don't want to yeah. hurt. Yeah. I know. <clears throat> but, so I just, um, and the hangovers get worse. And that's the, what it was just kind of beautiful about it. As we get older, the hangovers get worse. And it's just like, that's where I'm just like, screw it. I don't want that tomorrow. I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a kombucha. I'm so LA. I'm so sorry, well, John. We do, we... I've become LA. <laughs> Kombucha is actually a Pacific Northwest like there's there's a bar in Eugene, Oregon, which has like 10 different kombuchas on tap on draft. I would love that bar. I would be a regular. Yeah, that's Eugene, Oregon. So, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah. So what were were we talking about? So Oh, alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. See, I. Then I gain weight when I'm drinking, but I can't go without numbing out my emotions for too long. I go crazy. So instead of drinking, I do hard drugs instead. But really? I, yeah, but I am. Um, what, what, what drugs? Well, my dad's going to watch this. Wait, we're not going to be on video and nobody yeah. listens to this. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's going to be is an your, audience. Is your dad a fan it's, of it's, drinks with Tony? <laughs> it's my dad. Um, I do pills mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's like well, it's better with alcohol because the alcohol is like a little knife that gets into your liver and it dices it up, and then yeah. the drugs flow in much quicker. But in it, and in San Francisco is a drinking town. San Francisco it is about bars. Every time now, I haven't been back since COVID started, but every time. Coming from LA to San Francisco, I always forget I can walk anywhere. Because yeah. in LA, you got to drive somewhere, and if you're going to drink, you you sit there and you nurse it. 
because you got to right. drive home. Right. And, and, and <laughs> like the first maybe four or five times I came to SF and I'm at Edinburgh Castle and I'm having my beer. And then like all my friends are like on their third beer going, Tony, why are you on your first beer still? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just walking home. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about this this little town, this yeah. dense little town. It's also you can walk and get anything you want. You can get a an illegal firearm. A, you could probably buy children on one of these corners, but you can definitely yeah. buy fentanyl, cocaine, any kind of buy Adderall and Xanax on any. You know, I can walk three blocks from here and get anything I want. It's it's a vice town. And yeah, so, and you're you're in the tenderloin, right? Yeah, I'm pretty deep. Yeah, Carolyn Jones. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's what our friend Carolyn call. Oh, what does she call it? Uh, um, Jonesing and O'Heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you, Carolyn. She always yeah. cracks me up with that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of deep. That that's that's if I remember right, that's kind of a sad block, right? There's that one really sad block on O'Farrell, where you just kind of walk down. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck, and then you're like out of it again. Yes, there's a church, but the real bad block is is one block from me on Ellis Street. That's where Glide Memorial is. Right. And they have like a lot of services there. Actually, that's where my AA meeting is, right across from my bar that just closed, Joan L's, um, was shut down. And across the street is this little hole in the wall AA meeting, uh, um, you know, office. And that's where I was going for a long time. So, so, so let's go back to that. So you went to AA. Did you stop drinking for a while? You stopped drinking for a while. I remember I, when you stopped drinking because you can't, because we were at a bar and I don't know if I still lived in San Francisco or if I was just visiting, but you were in a bar and you were like, I'm buying drinks for everyone. Cause I can't buy drinks for myself. Yeah. Well, that sounds like me. Yeah. I live vicarious. I'm not drinking right now. I haven't had a drink in on the 15th. It'll be two months. Oh, that's so, great, dude. Because, and then I'm losing weight really slowly. Uh, instead of like the insane diet where you're like, your brain is telling you, you must eat carbs you must, because right. you're so hungry. I'm just going really slow. Yeah. I'm hoping that I don't, the longer I don't drink, the more weight I'll lose. That's the way it probably is with you too. Yeah. And, the, and just how, and just how our body and our brain metabolizes it. I, I I've like, I, um, I, I keep reading these books and watching these videos about what alcohol actually does to your system. And it's just like, man, it's, there's, it's just kind of crazy that we don't, that we don't know that as much. And, you know, I don't know if you notice this when you like, when you first stop drinking and you're just like, okay. Cause they, cause the first week's the worst. Sugar. The, the, not I only like sugar, but, but just the, um, I, you know, I'll just like be watching something or, uh, every there's everybody's drinking when you're watching <laughs> something and and then all the commercials are like you know come to corona it's on a beach somewhere and it's just like yeah. and this you know young woman it's like you know has all the right proportions and is a size zero is drinking a beer and it's just like you know it's happen. yeah she's living she's living on coke and cigarettes or she's doing uh you know a lot of yoga but you know it, it's just like the what do you call it? The um the illusion of what it is yeah. shown to us is is always a lie. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we and it's for some reason it's really easy to have a have fantasies around alcohol, to have fantasies around being in the bar and and socializing and being the life of the party. And I don't know why that is. Um, but there is this thing about dive bars that, that this 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 disappearing act that you can do from reality on like a very hot sunny day and you pass that dive bar in the middle of nowhere in some dismal industrial block and you go into this cool damp cave where nobody knows you and you can disappear from yourself as well as the world and that's exceptionally um attractive to me <laughs> it is to, you know when when you say that because I like when I came to LA I was looking for the dive bars <clears throat> something that would be similar to the Geary Club or to um what was that one that the other one that was in the Tenderloin that was right across from the music studio 
Um, well, there's the 21 club that we used to go to. Yeah, the 21 the music club. Stu- oh, okay. I think the so. music studio. That was on. There. Oh, down. Yeah, that's the 21 club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just like. And the mix of people, I mean, especially the Geary Club, the old Geary Club days, that that was there was something, you know, now now it's like the new Geary Club. So it doesn't feel like the old Lillian days when you, she I don't know if you were there when she would make those little um, well, ashtrays out of foil and you could just chain smoke in there. I remember it. <laughs> yeah, those were great days. It's just her, like She had a disintegrating hip and was limping around. <laughs> And Harriet was the other bartender. She yeah, was, I loved Harriet. Yeah. Yeah, June finally sold it. And a lot of these dive bars have closed. And the kids bring a different vibe to it. And they drink White Claw. Have you ever tried White Claw? I haven't, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> well, you remember Zima? Zima no. like, it's like rubbing alcohol with some Sprite. Ew. And then Gross. It, it is gross, but the yeah. kids, they love it. It's like. And the kids look at us and they go, ew, look at that old gross man. And we're just yeah. going, ew, whatever look at what you're doing. doing. <laughs> whatever he's doing, I'm not going to do it that way. So I'm going to stick with the White Claw. Speaking of the Edinburgh Castle. Yeah. That is still there. The owner, I think his name is Tay. Yep. Has been trying to sell it for a long time. They've been and trying to sell I, that. For, even when I lived there, they were trying to sell it. Yeah. And you know Alan Black, the bartender? Yeah, the I love Alan. Scottish yeah. bartender. So he worked there for a long, long time. But business just went down, down, down. And I've noticed that when you post your um, your editing things or your writing things, you're usually at a cafe or out. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I'm the same way. I like to – I can edit at home, but when it comes to generating new material, I find it much easier to do it out at it like uh, anywhere a donut shop ideally right an all-night coffee shop which we don't have them anymore what we do have the only thing that's open till 2 a.m are bars yeah so i go to the the edinburgh castle right sometimes and i'm usually the only one in there wow i just get like a tonic water yeah and uh it's always even on a friday night it's empty Wow. It's amazing. That place used to jump when I was up there during COVID. Like the, the Friday and Saturday nights, you couldn't even barely walk through that place when they had um those dance nights, the awful the, dance nights. The 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 owner, he he really hates that. He hates yeah. the 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 DJ nights. Yeah. He really hate it. It just causes him a lot of stress, I believe. I think and he so, liked mine because they were poorly attended. Well, you know, I mean, you're playing the cure and like right, right. Joy Division. It's like <laughs> this is really gloomy. I dig it. Yeah, yeah. Now I had a, I had a very certain clientele that just brought in just enough people so the uh, so they wouldn't shut my night down. <laughs> I didn't know you. Yeah. Well, you should you should come back and do it again because they need a gimmick. They definitely <laughs> 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 they need something to happen. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, that place is still going, but I don't know how much longer. And all the other dive bars, 21 Club, Joan Ells, um, a, a bunch of them are gone or they've changed ownership. So you know, I can't I can't city. I can't even edit. I have to edit outside. So like when I'm go when when I, I print out all my stuff and then I bring it all with me and then I'm editing and writing new scenes or I or even handwrite a scene that needs like a, a too much editing all like so everything's just kind of that's just the way i do it it's not the the most um it, it's not the most compact way to do it but it's just like just how i have to do it in a weird way there's two reasons for me one is that um at home it's too easy to get distracted but the yeah. other one is there's this performative aspect of writing in public and I, I think it caters to my vanity. And I, you know, I don't want it. Like there's certain places where in San Francisco, where if you go with an open journal and you're like your quill pen and your beret and you're like, oh, oh I'm the great, you know, you feel like a complete idiot. Um, but there's other places, a lunch counter somewhere where it just feels natural and normal. And maybe that's, that's that's confirming an identity that I'm comfortable with 
in the public. And that's why I don't know, but there is a performative aspect. I, you, I think you are so right about that. And it's almost because, because writing is such a weird solitary thing and to write is like one of the weirdest things in the world too. One, how lucky we are to write stories and not like be working in a factory somewhere and just like tired, you know, <laughs> and it's just uh -huh. like, but, but the, um, but it's also being like, part of me, I don't, you know, sometimes I don't, a lot of the times I don't feel like a writer. Like even when I'm writing, I don't feel like a writer, but if I'm out and sometimes I'm really in the groove, then I'll loot like even this morning I and, and I'm all excited about it because I, I wrote a solid good three hours this morning that I'm, gonna, hours. that I'm gonna work on later tonight to put in the edits. But it's just like everything it, it, I'm there and then all of a sudden everything around me just goes out of focus. It's almost just like I'm in my parallel universe and nothing can stop me even though I'm at a cafe. And then yeah. like it's it's um the energy of it is, and and I just, I, I miss, you know what I miss so much is cafe culture, which I think we lost over 20 years ago. Cause I never, I never bring a laptop to a cafe and it just disgusts me to no end that there's these, and especially in LA, there's a lot of like uh, keyboard warriors working on their screenplay. And I just, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not working on a screenplay. I'm working on a novel. You know why? Cause I don't want to make any money. <laughs> yeah so what so how many rewrites this novel this novel that you've been working on for over a year and i i mean i see your things on social media and i'm like you you've rewritten it like 17 times i'm on draft 12 12 12 times yeah you're on draft 12 of an entire mm -hmm. novel yeah i mean that's a that, that that sounds so masochistic. I mean, it's a terrible point, decision. <laughs> you're so familiar <laughs> with these scenes. I mean, you're like taking a hammer and just smashing those sentences into bits. You're well, so familiar with them. What are you trying? Is it perfection that you're? What, so here, here's how it works for me. And this novel I approached very differently. So, um. But what happens is when you get to the end and you've been writing this character, you understand the character more. And then other and then other things come up and you're like, oh man, okay. So when you get back to the beginning, you're like, the story doesn't start here. The story starts in a different spot. And I know this character well now. And I know and these jokes are landing. And you know, the this like 10 pages of I had I had a very funny 10 pages in the first 20 of the book that all got cut out and rewritten. And re so a lot of it's chopping, I'm chopping again. So it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm going in. It's I'm not to the technical edit yet where I'm sitting there going deep into scene and really fleshing out. That's like going to be the technical edit. I'm still discovering enough where I'm like, Oh crap. And I even added an extra character today and she only has one scene. But it it made sense, and it, it's just and and this is a comedy, so I'm really trying to like make these, um, make these jokes land, but at the same mm -hmm. time make it like it's not a joke. It's a total tragedy for that for the um for the character. So a lot of it's just that, and also I just I use paper, so a lot of it's just uh, sometimes I'm just drawing and doodling, and it's. It's been, I've done it in a very free way to a point where at, on first drafts, I was writing down from kind of the character's point of view. Hey, Tony, what are you writing? It's, I just went into it with such a weird way. And it's just like, well, I'm writing this. So how do you get there? I don't know. How would I get there? And it started out as like a conversation with myself. So, so I could try to write this thing that I haven't written before that may or may not be good in the end. Right. <laughs> I, you just said that you're on draft 12, but you haven't done the technical edit yet. But right. You're, but you are actually, when do you ever type? I mean, whenever you're typing it, you're doing techno, technical. Oh, edit. I type everything in. So like after we're done here, I have uh, two or three scenes that, to type in that I need to insert because I, because I just, it, there's like the scenes are done. 
but I figured out why they're kind of feeling a little disjointed. And I, and it took me this long to find the formula to make them not disjointed and also completely make it work with, um, with the plot and with, and completely make it work in the world of, cause this is kind of a different world of, so it was just, I've been banging my head against the wall, trying to create this story that's based in the afterlife, but that doesn't feel like it's an info dump. And info dump. Oh, yeah. you mean uh, like tons and tons of exposition just to explain the way right. the afterlife world works. Right. I, I understand. Well, these are index cards from novel number two. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would just like say I need 50 chapters and then I give each one an index card and I write down the index card maybe on the back and then um then I just follow that as a as a blueprint and uh, don't make any money and never get a publisher so that you know that's <laughs> the key to this um yeah. that's the key to the success for me is a what? very rigorous and rigid approach to the whole ordeal but uh, I type that I, I write on paper when I'm doing um, short stories and poetry. But when it comes to novels, I don't. I type the whole thing. And I've only written two and a half. So, uh, um, but yeah, it's just too much. There's just it's there's it's too much to do on paper first. Um, I so like I, that it's too, I like that the novel is too much because I feel like I'm tackling something that's out of control every time I hit it. It's just like, this is, this is like, it, it feels unmanageable. And then you get in there and you're like, oh wait, I've tamed it for a second. And, and then you get it to the next day and it's just like, this feels so unmanageable. And then you're like, no, wait, it tamed again. And it's, um, it's, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm learning and I've learned this the hard way is to enjoy the process because the outcome, screw the outcome. I've, I've had some really great outcomes, but the outcome always feels empty and the, and the outcome is not the important part. The important part is the work. And it's just like how, so I got to have some gratitude when I come to the work and go, how lucky am I as I sit here and write? And there's a lot of people that at 1130, like, oh my God, I got to go take my lunch. And during my lunch, we're going to go try to take a walk so I can blah, blah, blah. So I can get back to the office at 12 and I can do all this work that I hate, but I'm going to do it to, you know, so I can pay my mortgage. And and it, and I'm just sitting there at 1130 and all of a sudden it's like 230 and I'm like, oh, wait, I've been here three hours. And that kind that's kind of my life, but it's about, but I'm also wrangling a novel that's just like, that's my struggle. It's just, you know, how do you tame it? I think it helps to have no dependence, no wife, no career. Oh, it helps you know. so much. Well, I teach, so that that helps. You do, you do. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about myself. It's yeah, essentially alone on an island of solitude. Just, yeah. I have no one to keep me company except for the scribbles. Right. That's so helpful, and I'm sure there's there's lots of people who hang drywall and and do plumbing and, and, and stuff like that. And they listen to, to that. I get to just sit around all day and they just hate you. They just, or they, they go, or not, they're what, what good are you? You're not doing exactly. anything. You're not putting food on it. You're not, yeah. you're not, you're not of no assistance except for your magic, you know, your magical art. Which right. is going to bring some joy. To, they, they don't care. About we're creating nothing. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> No, and they, ideas yeah and and you know part of me is just like i wish i can just work at hit doing drywall every day i i'd, I'd be more in shape that's for sure yeah it's so horrible i mean yeah I, i've had a lot of jobs you know how that goes yeah that's one of that's a bad one but um so i do poetry mostly yeah and i only i only write a short story if i have a good idea and um, when I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time. Um, it would take me a month to write a short story, maybe 12 pages, 15 pages, and um, handwritten. Um, and they always got rejected. Every mm -hmm. single time my short stories got rejected, I put a lot of work into them. And then 
and all the poetry was re rejected. Then I, I got better at self-editing. But the thing about poetry is I go to the coffee shop or wherever, and I'm if I have an idea, the poetry, I, I write it, and then I'm done. I mean, I'll, I'll have to go back and edit it maybe twice. And yeah. the whole thing, the whole thing will take, you know, when I when I come back, maybe two hours, but probably way less time than that. It's a beautiful thing to be able to put a narrative together in 20 lines. And and there's no burden and there's no hardship. There's no prospect of ever making a living off of it. I don't even consider poetry to be a genre. I, I would never call myself a poet. And in fact, I wouldn't call myself a writer. Sometimes I do write, but it's so removed from like how I, you know, pay rent and, and stuff like that, that, you know, I'm different from you, I guess is what I'm saying. You're more of a professional writer than me. I, I don't. I don't feel like. I don't feel more professional than that. Your dedication I, is commendable. Well, I, I think part. Well, a part of it is if I'm not doing it, I'm not. I am a worse person to be around. If no, I'm well, not, it's yeah. just like it's just like if I'm not working actively on something, it's a problem. And I kind of set myself up where, um. Cause I, I used to work in tech. I did so many different jobs like 20 years ago, you know, I was working all the time. And then finally I went, no, I'm out. I'm done. I'm a writer. <laughs> it's just like, you know, and you know, if you think about it, it's a terrible decision, but for my soul, it was the best decision. I, yeah. I, and it's just like, and I had to put myself in a spot where I can't fall back on anything. And then it's just like, okay, now you have to do this. And there's this urgency and then there's the beauty of um, that our lives end and we die. So it's just like, wait, how I need to get this done just so, uh, you know, it's like playing the lottery. It's just like, hey, I'm not going to win the lottery if I don't scratch. So I'm just scratching this and hoping that someone takes the next book and then it becomes something more. Um, but, you know, it's you never know. One of my... Um, I also do story development for clients and one of my, and like for novel and screenplays, one of my, one of my clients, she's, she's actually really good. And I even told her uh, one of our last sessions, I'm like, I don't know why you're hiring me because this is so good. I just don't want you to stop what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. And, um, and she goes, yeah, but uh, what if I don't get it published? And I said, you're probably not going to get it published. <laughs> I'm like, look, you got to enjoy the process because it's, it, yeah, we, we all want to get published, but that's out of our hands and you're writing something that's meaty and good. And it's just something I want to read. So, well, I don't know how out of our hands it actually is. Um, it's just whether you're, you're, you're committed to devoting all the energy to self-promotion required to actually Oh, now self-promotion is another thing. <laughs> if you if you have, you know, you're you're really active on all the different social media platforms. You have all five thousand friends, and you have an artist page, and you're really busy on Twitter and Instagram, and you, you know, maybe you do TikTok videos too on top of it, and you're really working all the techno technology to to create a buzz around yourself you might get published and you might actually make money. Um, and you're doing that. You this think I podcast, do good on social media? Well, this podcast is part of that. Thing. Well, it's I, part well, of the yeah. whole thing. And it, you know, that's because you're a professional writer. You're doing what you need to. And me. I, and I, well, then the main thing is I love just to have authentic conversations. I don't make any money on the podcast. No, I should learn. Money, but you're creating people are aware of who you are. That's what I mean. Not so, money. People right. Create, you're creating a, um, what's it called? Celebrity. Um, I can't remember, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, what cult do you call of, it? Cult of personality. Huh? Cult. It's, it's interesting. Cause like years ago when Jesus shirt came out, and someone introduced, I, I can't remember who it was, but someone introduced me to someone that I was like a fan of. And um, they're like, oh, he wrote Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Jerk. And they were just like, huh? 
And he also hosts Drinks with Tony. You're the Drinks with Tony guy? And I'm just like going, are you kidding me? I wrote Jesus Jerk on blood and sweat and tears. And you know me as this guy that just shows yeah. up on a mic. <laughs> well, now he knows both. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. That's how to do it. I I find that so even like I Zoom. This is the second time I've done. I and I've tried. I've tried um, to do the things that you need to do, both with music and writing. And it's just like God. It's the last thing in the world I want to do. I just want to write my poem and I'll submit it to some indie easing that it doesn't pay. They never pay. None of them pay. And um, you know I'll get my little validation if they accept it. And some of them accept everything, literally everything they get over the transom, the electrical transom, but some don't. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyhow. Yeah, I just had a thought. We were just talking about, oh, the other thing is I, when I was young, I did college radio. Radio is like everything to me. It's like the, my passions are like doing radio. So this is my substitute for doing a radio show. It's what? station were you on kfjc i love kfjc yeah i actually have a kfjc t-shirt yeah 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 i i yeah that's no Except i was i, I was on there in the early yeah i was on there in the early 90s and then i would do reef uh fill-ins here and there until about the mid-aughts so really yeah yeah it's a great oh what scythoff did you did you know scythoff he was a dj he actually passed away Oh yeah. Ago. Oh, Wore I a think little hood. He's like a little dark right. metal, black metal guy. Yeah, I think I heard about his death, but I don't know if we have never ended up working together. I learned because I was also on Radio Valencia and Pirate Cat Radio and all that stuff. So I was doing all that in San Francisco until I let until I left San Francisco. But um, but I learned how to keep longevity at any of those stations was to stay as disconnected as possible. Because it is just the most dysfunctional family always. And they're always like, you got to try to help us even more. We got to get the word out. Are you going to go help us for our fundraiser? And it's always just like, I just, I always kept like, I realized from my KFJC days, just how dysfunctional any indie radio station is. And it's just like, if I want longevity there, just keep the hand out and go, Love the station, can't help you. Love the station, can't help you. I'll do my show, can't help you. <laughs> so Yo, KFJC is the one with the DJs that have been there the longest. Um, oh, some like, of them were there 10 or 15 years before me and are still there. Brian Chandler and um, Sister Mary and uh, Cinderora. They've all been there for really, really. Yeah. And they, it's Robert Emmett. Robert Emmett was, I mean, yeah. That dude yeah. is just, he, I mean, he's legend as far as I was concerned, because when I was a teenage kid, I would listen to his show every week on Saturday mornings. It was soundtracks. All it was was soundtracks. And I was like, this is so cool. And then all of a sudden you're just meeting him at a staff meeting after you do all your like, you know, learning how to do production classes. And then you get in there and start training. And it's just like, it's wonderful. Yeah. And, the, and the what's really great is that the people who work there a long time become true curators they're like cultural curators. Yeah. And um, it's it's funny because if you listen to like, it's semester one of the radio DJ training program at, at Calex, say, and you listen to this 18-year-old and she or he has just brought in, I don't know, USB, I don't know whether some oh. CDs from their car yeah. and they're like, this is, yeah, this is, I used to listen to this when I was 13 and you're like, yeah. It'd be so much better, you yeah. know, and they, you're there to learn about what good music sounds like. Um, I don't know that they always do, but uh, it, I love you. Yeah. Calyx kind of burned the, the, what are they, um, their weekend programming, like film close-ups and stuff seems to have been forever, but the, yeah. um, but the, I, I, I kind of think they're one of those that burns through their DJs like KXLU in LA. There's, there's some regulars, but Man, you listen to some of them, and I listen to them just to see, um, because I used to be that guy too when I first started doing radio. It's just like, is anyone out there? You can give me a call. Here's our request line, and then, and it's just, and that's why they put you on graveyard shift for so long at KFJC, so you can get all of that out of your system on graveyard shift. So then, when you're on like you know drive time, 
then you're kind of getting more into the groove of like, all right, that was this. Now coming up next, we got this and here's tickets. You're welcome to call in for that. And this is KFJC 89.7 FM and go into the song. Let like, let the, let the music you're curating speak for itself. Don't sit there and go on and on about, and if you have any requests, call 415-941-2500. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I love the, the indie radio in this, in this area is, and, and, you know, with the oh, internet, San Francisco is fantastic for it. I miss it, it. was, but then there was one of the high up religious guys over at USF some doddering fool um, got a piece of paper across his desk and eradicated KUSF. With yeah, that was a huge pen. bummer. It was like they'd been there since 1953 or something. And now, yes, we have Radio Valencia. I yep. think, what else do we have? You got uh, KXSF, which actually is, they got the low-powered station license. So I don't know what they, what channel. KXSF, yeah. Oh, I Uh, heard of that. My friend Matt uh, Haldaway works there. What is is his, I can't remember what his uh, DJ name is. I think me and him worked at Pyrocat together too. We've known each other a long time, but um, they, but it's funny because like, like a lot of those uh, KUSF DJs when Radio Valencia first started, they were, they came to us. It was great. Cause that was around 2010 yeah. where all of a sudden it was just like, all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> it was just like, we need something, you know? It's so disappointing that that happened. Cause that was, that was the great indie radio station of San Francisco was KUSF. And, and, a, and the long timers there too. Yeah. A lot of long timers there. Yeah. It's like funny that people don't realize like a lot of college radio DJs are actually in their forties and fifties, you know? Oh uh, yeah. Well, one of my favorites is 45 RPM over at Calix and he's been there. It's just like, they'll have a set where I've never heard any of the songs and every single song is just hits it out of the park. You know, it's just like, wow. And, it's and awesome. he knows what song is next. It's the, there's the beauty <laughs> There's just that weird thing where you go, oh, wait, this isn't going to work with this, but I can get to this if I play this, this, and this. It's Oh, yeah. Arrangement. Know. Okay. So well, you want you want to end the show? That was an okay. Let's end the show. Oh, uh, no. I'm... <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for coming, Tony. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate you. <laughs> Um, how's the kombucha? Is that ginger lime or lemon ginger? No, lemon? Uh, the kombucha I'm drinking right now is called Malty Green. Malty Green. That's the thing. Kombucha. It's like, oh, what a great beverage! I'll drink. I'll drink one of these at 10 p.m. It's two kinds of tea. It's yeah, caffeine. You got to be careful. Yeah, folks. Watch let out for a, the late night kombucha. Let this be a public service announcement. Yeah, it'll um, keep you up. Kombucha keeps you up. And soy gives you man boobs. So, well, is that the problem? Damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, it also has trace amounts of alcohol. So, if you're a hardcore AA person, right? Yeah, some people yeah. don't do it. No, so so when you're so when you're taking off drinking, do you go to AA? Does that help? I haven't been to AA in. Let's see. COVID was the perfect excuse. To stop going to AA. Oh, I drank. I, it up. I drank so much during COVID. It's it was like, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I'm like, what the hell was I doing? You know, it was like you're only going to get this apocalypse once in your life. You better yeah. take advantage of it. This is the time for wild abandon. Yeah, and you know everybody who's a hardcore AA was doing Zoom meetings, and um, Zoom AA is still a big thing. Um, but I never did it. I just stopped going and I think I've been back. It's like a block and a half from me. My, yeah. My AA. But yeah, it's been about, I don't know, three years. I, yeah. I just stopped. I stopped. Have you ever tried smart recovery? Well, do you know that, do you know what I'm talking about? No, but I know they, of, they have um, it. The best one that I've been to, because it's almost like giving yourself, um, it's the way they set it up is 
you can do, you can talk about anything. It's not just alcohol. It was like this guy came in one time and he's just like, I have an addiction to pornography. And so he was using smart to do that. And it it's like cognitive behavioral therapy, but you'd kind of do it on yourself. And St. Francis hospital had the greatest meetings on that. I would like, I would, this is when I was like trying to cut down my drinking in San Francisco, which is hard to do, but I would go to those meetings before I'd go out. And then I would have like a beer and a half instead of oh, like, man. instead of like eight, I would, I would yeah. like, it, it just, and it, and it, it didn't hit, you know, it wasn't so rigid as AA or it's just like, Oh, well, I just had a beer. Well, I might as well have nine shots. Cause this day's done. You know, it's just like, it's a little more mindfulness and you're a little more like, wait, why did I just have that? I don't need that. It's, it's, it was a, it was a brain shift. I really liked going to those. Um, Kaiser so- has one that's really popular and they, I forget what it's called, but I, I know a lot of people have been successful going to that. And, and, you know, you can be inpatient and then you can do outpatient for as long as you want. And I guess they focus on the biology a lot. Like what's actually yeah. happening in your brain. Um, but there's another one called Refuge Recovery. Oh, it- right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rescue- the no- Noah was- Levine's uh, Dharma yeah. Punks thing, yeah. Yeah, the bu- the Buddhist-based yeah. one. And I, I several times was like, I'm going to go. But there's only one meeting, and they meet once a week out in the avenues. Right, it's so in the I- Richmond. I've been to that. The um, Is that the That's meditation it. one? Sunset on Seventh Avenue. Oh, okay. the Gratitude Center is where it's at now. But oh, maybe. okay. When I used to when I used to go there because it was like Wednesday night meditate, and it was rad. And I, it's like I never meditated like that in a group before. And it's a twenty minute meditation. Yeah, is that the one? The same time. one? I never and, went. <laughs> okay, so so you you sit there in a room with about sixty people, and you're all quiet for twenty minutes. And the amount of energy that's just beautiful after that, and they'll give a little Buddhist talk after, and and it's just, you just feel so connected and your head feels clear. And it's just like, and I think that's the exact same thing we want when we go to a dive bar, we want to feel connected and we want want to clear things out. That's, that's a good point. Um, I, I actually learned how to meditate at AA because one of the guys who was going to AA and was a secretary was also going to refuge recovery. Yeah. So he brought Buddhism into the AA meeting. And um, so that was the first time I had meditated for 10 minutes. And then that for like maybe a year to two years, I was taking it really seriously and reading, reading all the Buddhist stuff and doing it every morning on my own, sometimes twice a day. Um and I don't know, things get, I I just can't keep up with anything except like writing poetry and playing the guitar. Right. So I let it but fall those by are, the wayside. But actually <laughs> writing poetry and playing guitar are forms of meditation, I think. That's, yeah, I've thought about that a lot. Um, but there's the goal of goallessness in meditation uh, is kind of different because you know, if you have aims when you're writing, you, you, oh, you're trying yes. to accomplish something, you're, you're trying to manifest something in the world. And um, it with, um, with Buddhism, you're trying to, to not man. Well, I mean, yeah, you're just trying to be kind of an, ex- something that's experiencing and not yeah. acting. Although I think what I've read is said that's absolutely not true, but you know what I mean. There's a there's a lot of uh, what do you call it? Um, I don't know what I was going to say, but what I was going to say before that was, who are your favorite poets? What? Why did you get into poetry? What? What was what was poetry that zapped you in? What was it you said about something you said? But you know, I was I'm the Bukowski guy. In fact. In fact, I think that in the in the little indie literary scene, I think there may be some people out in the country who would probably think of me as a poser who is who writes too close to him, which I don't think I do, Bukowski. Right. But um, God, 
I don't think you do either. And I, you know, I know other poets where I go, oh, they're just still worshiping at the altar of Bukowski, you know. But um, yeah, if you're going to have a hero, you can do better than yeah. <laughs> than that that guy. I mean, but Bukowski was a gateway drug for me too, and when I was in my twenties. But I try to, you know, sometimes I well, I just bought his. Uh, I bought another volume of one of his le- books of letters, "Reach for the Sun" or something like that. And I was just, they're always coming out with, uh, I, Oh, the, the guy's, the guy's Tupac of poetry. He's just more, more material after, uh, after he's dead. But, right. um, but I was, I was just kind of reading the letters and the letters just seemed, it was letters when he was in his sixties and seventies and he was still drinking and it. And, and it's just like, I kind of liked getting it. Cause I, I just felt sorry for him. And it's just, and you know, he was just keeping up this bravado where it's just like, dude, at what point in your life do you just like sit back and go, Hey, you know what? I own a house in San Pedro. Everything's kind of all right. And I'm going to keep working on my stuff, but it's still the same. Like I'm going to have shots and drinks and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, eh. he slowed down. I think he slowed down a lot toward the end uh, when it came to Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if he slowed some of these letters. I was pretty shocked that he was 70 years old and he was talking about how much he was boozing the night before. These are his personal letters to his friends. And I and it's just like, oh, I thought you did slow. I thought he did slow down, but maybe he did for a while and then just didn't. And he just as far as poets, um like most poets, I don't read a lot of poetry, but I would say that there's a book called Recently, I read something called A Plumber's Guide to Light, written by an apprentice plumber somewhere in the Southwest, which is one of the most amazing collections of poetry that I've encountered. And then there's a guy who used to live in Mexico, and now he's moved back to, like, Chula Vista or something. He's a, he's a very good writer, and his name is Mather Schneider. Um, then, of course... My neighbor, Bill, Bill Taylor. He's a good, yeah. he's a great poet. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's a short list. Um, yeah. Occasionally, you you'll see something that blows blows me away, but I don't spend a lot of time. I read novels uh-huh. um, more than more than poetry. I just read, I just read uh, the favorite game by Leonard Cohen, and um, I was just like the greatest novel I've. Have you ever read? No, but I saw I saw you post that on Instagram, and I'm like, I got to get that book. Oh my god! I was I should have taken notes for your podcast just to read just a few sentences. Um, His approach is so it's so creative, it's so original, and it's so it just makes me feel like a piece of concrete, like a rigid piece of concrete with a piece of rebar stuck in into it it's rusting and it's just like falling apart and it just can't stop being concrete this it was so fluid he wrote it he, that's the second one so the first one is called beautiful losers and we're talking about leonard cohen the musician yeah. i had no idea I, I was talking to a canadian friend of mine who mentioned he was a, a novelist and she said, yeah, I knew he was a novelist before I knew he was a musician. So he wrote mm. these when he was in his 20s. Wow. And he was a genius when he was in his 20s in yeah. Montreal, um, kind of an upper middle class Jewish upbringing, um, which he explores in depth. And but just like, wow. So, yeah, I'm waiting for the other book to come. And what else other than that? I got to read that one. Reading. I, I read I read Ulysses this year. I've never read Ulysses. Oh yeah, yeah. Congratulate! I meant to send you a trophy, but uh, <laughs> on a, some sort of medal or. Some, I want to read sash, it again. A sash that says "I read Ulysses" <laughs> that you can wear around town. How? Yeah, it's eleven hundred pages. It's a tomb, T O M E. Yeah, I don't. Um, it's not eleven hundred, but it sometimes it feels like it, and then sometimes I don't know. In it's just there's something about it where it it just oh you're re- I was reading it and I'm like oh my god I'm not a novelist at all like this is it, and then that's how Cohen made me feel. Yeah, and and then it's just like wait a second, 
there's other books in the bookstore too. I could be one of those, you know, but <laughs> yeah, but he's the genius and you wanted to be the genius guy. Right. Like, now and I know why I'm not a genius. It's because I'm not a genius. Here's a genius. Like, yeah, you know, that we we and that's yeah. the and that's the thing about writing is understanding what how our best is just our best and that's it. And it's not going to like for me I don't think it's genius. I'm just trying to be the best I can and then get to the point where I don't screw it up too much. And then yeah. it's like, okay, now, now let's send it out and see if anyone likes it. Exactly. I think about this a lot with, with my abilities are within a narrow spectrum, uh, a limited range. The palette is limited to maybe three primary colors. But if, if I stay within that range of limited ability, I can actually make things that are sometimes halfway decent. So to torment myself because, you know, when we grow, you know, when you're trying to write and you're a kid and, and trying to write like Raymond Carver or whatever it is, and it's just not working. It's like, well, after, after many, many attempts, you, do, there, you figure out what you can do. And so I do what I can do. You know, I, I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. But, Sometimes I, I'd like to like go do a whole mountain of LSD and, you know, see if I can explode my mind and become somebody that I'm not. I'm simply not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> John, so, it was, Ulysses. oh, go ahead. What? So you read Ulysses. Oh, are we, that sounded like a. That was, that was almost a done, but you've had something else. I read Ulysses. No, no. I was just like, good for you. Okay. And you have a lot of discipline. And, you know, I, I took a class actually. So there was a class because it was the hundredth year of the publication of Ulysses. So okay. I kind of, I, I, I paid for this like $15 class or whatever. And the guy kind of had, you know, get to episode 16 by this date. And he had like, and he had oh. lectures about it and I kept up I with it. So I think having support while you read it makes it more interesting. And I also started my own little group on Facebook so we all talked with each other as we were going through it. And, um, and, and that it just, that's what brought it all together. And there's just something about like, you can't just read the last chapter and have the, cause the last chapter is just phenomenal, but you have to have gone on the whole ride in order for that chapter to be phenomenal. Okay. It's like the last three chapters are just like spiritual. It's just like huh. spiritual awakening, but in order it's almost like those catholics that have to take the six week walk or whatever in spain yeah. it's almost yeah. like you got to take that walk and then you get to those chapters and then your brain just explodes and especially the last chapter and you're just like oh oh my god and then it's just like i gotta read it again i don't know when i will maybe in a couple of years but i will read it again yeah i think there's a there's a town somewhere where every year they have a ulysses festival and People dress up as the characters and they all Dublin. Yeah. I'm going to be the idiot out there. I'm going to be the tourist and going, I, and they'll be like, Oh, great. Another one of you. You just found it. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Just found it. Uh, well, John, thank you for coming on the show, man. Thanks, Tony. It was great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. John Bennett on drinks with Tony. Check out his new poetry collection, leisure town. Next week on the show, we have Douglas Abrams, discussing The Book of Joy that he co-authored with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Keep creating, keep reading stories, keep writing stories. It's good for your soul. I'll see you next week. I love you in the morning Our kisses deep and warm Your hair upon the pillow like a sleepy golden storm Yes, many love before us I know that we are not new In city and in forest They smiled like me and you But now it's come to distances And both of us must try Your eyes are soft with sorrow that's no way to say goodbye 
I'm not looking for another as I wander in my time. Walk me to the corner, our steps will always rhyme. You know my love goes with you as your love stays with me. It's just the way it changes, like the shoreline and the sea. But let's not talk of love or chains and things we can't untie. Your eyes are soft with sorrow. Hey, that's no way to say goodbye. Sleepy golden storm is many love before us. I know that we are not new in city and in forest. They smiled like me and you, but let's not talk of love or chains and things we can't untie. Your eyes are soft with sorrow. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. <laughs> 